Hey everyone, welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about thyroid health. If you've been listening, you know I recently was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I was talking to my friend Katie, who's also a dietitian and also has Hashimoto's. So we decided it's just time we tell y'all how we got diagnosed, what's going on with it, and what we're doing now so that if you're experiencing any kind of thyroid issues or anything like we're going to talk about in this episode, fatigue, hair loss, exhaustion, you know, so many things. Keep listening because we're going to address all of those because I gaslit myself for three years before I finally got a diagnosis and it's very common. So without further ado, Katie, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us what you've got going on and then we're going to jump right in. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I feel like we're going to have a really fun conversation today. Um, I work with women one-on-one or with group programs all about eating for your hormones. So figuring out a way to make sure you're eating enough. Cause I feel like a big thing we're going to talk about today with thyroid health is not getting enough protein. Um, making sure you're eating in a way that's supporting your hormones to have energy, to have hair, to your mood is better. Like you just have regular periods having experiencing like crazy cramps, things like that. Um, so really excited to just jump in and talk to all of you about it. Okay. So let's just like get started because this has been the most common question I've gotten asked from people when I tell them, they're like, how did you know something was wrong? And like, I'm going to be real with you. I didn't for a long time. Like I was talking to my doctor and she estimates I probably had Hashimoto's for three years before I was even ever diagnosed. So what is your story? How'd you kind of figure out what was going on? So it's funny when you look back, right? Because it's so much easier to connect the dots. You're like, oh, no one ever asked me these questions. And I just never really thought it was something I needed to share. But I've always been chronically cold. Yes, yes. I've always been cold. For the first time in my life, I don't have like cold feet when I sleep. That's amazing. I still wear socks to bed, but um, I chronically cold my whole life to the point, like sometimes I'd be so cold. I would have to take a hot, like, like it was probably burning my skin, like hot shower because I could not like warm up. Like my inner body temperature was just so low. And it's interesting because even doing like the basal body temperature tracking, like my basal body is lower than most people. Like I just always have had, and that was, is a sign of some thyroid things as well, you know? Um, that's one of the first things to check is your basal body. If it's so much lower talk, but even just talking to doctors, they never ask you about your basal body, right? That's a really interesting point because mine has always been significantly lower too. And I never thought about it. And then when I would ovulate, it'd be like a whole degree higher, but it would only still just take me to like a normal basal body temp. Same. We're like the same person, (laughs) but like, it was crazy though, because I, just chronically cold. Um, and then I kind of started noticing my hair changing, like it, like kind of like dry on the ends and a little bit like more brittle. And it was a hair, a hairdresser that I had for years just being like, your hair is just thinning. Like this is, have you changed your diet? And at that point, um, I had kind of gone back and forth for years of like eating plant protein, all the time or like just eating a little bit of animal protein. And I wasn't eating a lot of like animal protein at that point. So I started just eating more and more like animal protein again, and just trying to like 
help my body. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it must be my iron. That must be why I'm cold. Like I kind of was doing all these different things. It wasn't until I had um, a miscarriage that I went back into the doctor and she tested my thyroid and did like a full thyroid panel. And she's like, Oh my goodness. Like you have hypothyroidism, like your TSH is so high. And I'm like, but I've tested it before. Like it, it wasn't, it was never off like that. And she's like, I think the miscarriage might've triggered this. And then all of a sudden going through this kind of like long journey of being, and she's like, I'm sure it's Hashimoto's. It's just not coming up as Hashimoto's and like years of this finally showing up in the labs, but kind of treating it the whole time as if it was Hashimoto's, um, so it's interesting because now I'm three years postpartum and my thyroid finally is in a really solid, good place. And I feel like the miscarriage triggered the hyperthyroidism, having um, another miscarriage and then having a twin pregnancy, which is insane. I have identical twins. And then three years postpartum, it was about two years postpartum. I went and got all this blood work and my thyroid was, my doctor was like, who are you? Like, this is coming back completely different than years, like from 2016 until 2020. I had them when I, in 2020 for years, just like never, could never get the medication correct. Like nothing was working. And then everything has been like really solid now. So it's been a wild, weird journey. <laughs> But thank you so much for sharing that and like being vulnerable about that part of your journey because I don't think it's talked about enough, the connection between fertility and thyroid because when I was getting my blood work done, my TSH was also through the roof and so were my um, thyroid antibodies. But something my practitioner said to me that like I had never put together was, you know, like if you, cause I was, we we're talking about like, okay, in a year, like I'm probably like ready to start trying. And she was like, if you hadn't come in and gotten this blood work done, there's no way in my opinion that you would have been able to carry like a pregnancy to term just because your thyroid's so off. And I don't, I had never even heard that before. Yeah. It was something that I discovered too. Um, even through all the kind of like education and everything that I had learned, there was no one really talking about like that connection back then. Um, and then my naturopath told me the same thing and I was like, but you know, and like, for me, I took a lot of that on and I was like, oh, I wish I had like done more testing. I wish I had all these things, but just knowing that information and being able to share that with other women has been like really important and helpful, but it's something that I don't think is talked about enough um, when it comes to fertility and pregnancy. And even now, a lot of my clients get pushback where I'm like, make sure that you're getting a full thyroid panel, make sure they're testing your antibodies. Um, and still their doctor will only test for TSH and not the whole thyroid. And I'm like, you're preparing your body for pregnancy. Like you're this is the goal. Like this is information that is so important and valuable and like making sure that you also push back and you're like, no, like I'm paying for the medic. I'm paying for the insurance. Like this is what we're going to be doing. This is the blood work that I want to get done. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I had to go to three doctors before I finally started seeing a functional MD. And I told her, I'm like, I know that this is what it is. Please just test me. Just do it. Yeah. And she did. And sure enough, it was my, so I'll give you, let's do a little like vocabulary check because we're probably going to have a lot of abbreviations in this one. So <laughs> Hashimoto's or Hashi is a thyroid autoimmune disease 
where your body starts attacking your thyroid and it starts to depress thyroid function, leading to hypothyroidism. TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. And that we're going to both talk about a lot because we both had very high TSH as part of our diagnosis. Um, You've got T3 and T4, which are two different thyroid hormones we're also going to be talking about. Are there any other abbreviations that I'm missing? Um, TPOs, the thyroid um, antibodies. Yes, TPOs. And so with my story, I was, it's interesting you mentioned, I feel like there's a tipping point. Like it's a glass with your thyroid. It's like getting filled up. It's getting filled up. Hashimoto's is building and then something happens and it is like the floodgate. Like it just gives up and it just is like, I'm done. Like I have tried my best to help you and I can't. And for me, I like with running my business, I was just honestly running it at a really unsustainable rate and just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and taking on all this emotional stress. And then one day I just woke up and I was like, I feel like I can't get out of bed. And I had a similar thing. I have a lot of hair if you can see the video, but I got my hair colored and I thought it was all breakage. And no, my hair started thinning pretty bad. And that was like, it's funny. It's like acne was my tipping point for figuring out my hormones. And then my hair thinning was like my tipping point for figuring out I had a thyroid problem. And yeah, when I got tested, my TSH was at about four, which is high, like optimal. My um, naturopathist told me you want like below 1.8. And then Mm -hmm. my thyroid antibodies, you want them under 34. Mine were over 500. Wow. I'm trying to remember because this was such a long time ago. Because you got diagnosed in what, 2016? Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. So I think my TSH was at a 7.8 at that point. And then my antibodies though were low at that point. And then when they finally discovered that years later, cause it just wasn't showing up with the blood work yet. Um, I think it was like a 300 maybe. And so that's an interesting, so it's that's, I'm honestly like, it's cool that ours were really different because the, like with yours, so four is still technically normal. So that's the yeah. thing is four is still technically normal. And when I kept going to those other doctors, they were like, it's a four, you're fine. And I'm like, no, the high end is four. Optimal, I looked it up, is like 1.8 or below. And But my they wouldn't test my antibodies. My antibodies came back. My doctor literally called me on a Saturday and was like, you, no gluten, no soy, no dairy, and I've called in thyroid medication for you. Like your wow. antibodies are so high and we're going to get into diet in a moment. So hang with us, friends. Um, so that's interesting. So that's why you need all the tests. Cause we both had really different mechanisms of getting diagnosed. Yeah. And I don't know, I need to like, I used to know this, but I like, don't know why the TPOs wouldn't have shown up and like why it took so long for that to like actually show up. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know, maybe they like didn't test it or they did test it. Like, and they said they tested it. I would have to like go back to like my notes because I feel like I like blocked out like that time in my life. Like, well, because I was also dealing with my first miscarriage as well. So I feel like my head wasn't on right in terms of like investigating all of that. But I just remember like it took a long time to get diagnosed as Hashimoto's. But my doctor, my naturopath, doctor, same thing. I went to the naturopath and she's like, yeah, this is way too high. Like, I was like, yeah, I know it's, I know it's high. She's like, no, no, no. Like this is really like way too high. Like we've got to get you 
much, much lower. And, um, my doctor put me on Synthroid and I did not do well with Synthroid at all. Um, I'm on armor now and it's mm. desiccated pig thyroid. So um, I'm on MP thyroid, which is, I think like the same, like generic yes. version of armor. Like I think I was the on same. MP and then you couldn't get it in California. Um, and then they switched me to armor, which is super similar, but the Synthroid did not, I did not do well on Synthroid. And I see a lot of my clients that have been on Synthroid for a long time, like start losing their hair and like have all these different things happening. So even if you're on thyroid medication, like it's really important to just notice how your body is functioning day to day. And if you're losing hair or, you know, you're not, you're either gaining or losing too much weight, like it's something to definitely talk to your doctor about too. I've just noticed that a lot with the Synthroid. Yeah, Again, and- I'm not a doctor, but that's just like what I've noticed. <laughs> but it, And like we're speaking like, yes, we're both dietitians, but this is honestly an episode about like personal experience because we've both been through this. And the other thing I was going to say is hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, you're, when your thyroid isn't functioning right, it also really impacts your mental health. So like navigating what you were not, like navigating a miscarriage, dealing with thyroid, like I don't, I don't think we give enough credit to how much those things impact mental health. Like my mental health had never been worse as like the week I got diagnosed with like this, like I felt instantly better when I started making my lifestyle changes. Yeah. And honestly, just knowing, I like knowing that there's something, it's not like I was doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's literally, I'm not producing enough thyroid. Yeah. So that's like, why I was end of story. That's it. Like end of story, you know, versus like the, honestly, for me, the hardest part was the brain fog. I would be sitting at my desk and I remember thinking and like calling my friend being like, I'm literally been staring at my computer. I'm trying to send one email. It took me an hour to send an email. I could not put words and sentences together. And that's also my sign too. Um, so whenever it, sometimes it takes me a while to figure out like, oh, like my thyroid's not behaving the way that I want it to because the brain fog really messes with you. And it's so hard to be like, um, I didn't realize I was having the brain fog. So now I know, like, whenever I tell my husband, like, oh, I feel like my brain foggy or call my friend. I'm like, I'm feeling brain foggy. Like I told them, like, just tell me you got to check your thyroid because it's this, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but yes. And that was like one of my biggest, like, okay, so let's talk about symptoms. So we can each like explain like kind of how we felt. So brain fog was huge. Like the only way I can explain it to people is I felt like I was swimming through jello to just live my life. Like I literally felt it. Everything felt in slow motion. Like I couldn't move fast enough. I couldn't like my brain couldn't react fast enough. My body couldn't like getting out of bed felt like the biggest task ever. And then like going and like working, I was still making myself like work out and run a business and all these other things. So mine was the brain fog and the body fatigue on top of that severe gut issues. So I mm-hmm. actually started seeing a gut dietitian because I thought I had a parasite. TikTok had convinced me I had a parasite and I started <laughs> seeing this awesome gut dietitian. And that's when we started running all these things and my gluten sensitivity for my GI map, which is basically I pooped in a bag and sent it off and they tested it. And my reaction to gluten was like through the roof. And that's what started this entire process. I was still gaslighting myself, even though I felt that bad. What, what are we, what are we doing to ourselves? Um, 
So those are my symptoms, like the hair loss, the brain fog. Um, I gained 15 pounds in two weeks and I have a history of an eating disorder, which everyone on here knows. So it was really triggering for me and I had no idea what was going on. And so I I don't know. It was like I had a lot of these and joint pain. I had really bad joint pain. I thought I had arthritis already. Yeah, I would say for me, it was a brain fog, the fatigue. um, I would be it's crazy. I slept more then than I do now. And I have more energy now with three-year-old toddlers than I did when I was going through that. Like I just could not, even though I was getting like quality sleep, I just never felt like rested. I was just so run down and exhausted. Um, weight gain, not, not like as 15 pounds, but like five pounds that like, just no matter like what I did, like working out, eating, like nothing moved the weight. Um, and then still just being like, so cold, like, yes, cold, like that was hard. And then, um, I guess, yeah, the brittle, like my hair felt like it. And I, I kind of like blamed it on the California, like water too, because they have like hard water. I'm like, Oh, it's like ruining my hair. (laughs) And then the hairdresser is like, no, like I can see. Yeah. The hair is an interesting thing because it's kind of hard to notice like when it's you because I wasn't like looking at the top of my head. head. Yeah. And that's like where I started to see it was in the back, like back here. Yeah. And my hair, like she's like, it started growing like in a mullet. That's why mine, I literally have a mullet right now. These top pieces are like such a mullet and it's like a mess. (laughs) She's like she's like, I'm not saying that's because of your thyroid, but she's like, your hair started growing really strange. Yeah. It's crazy. So that was our symptoms. So, okay. The moment you've all been waiting for, we felt really bad. And now we mm-hmm. obviously both feel good. Although I'm in a little bit of a flare right now. Cause I did have some of my trigger foods over the weekend, which I think we should talk about that too, because I think something that comes with Hashimoto's is there are definitely foods that make Hashimoto's flare and it is really hard to not be restrictive. So I think for this next part, let's chat about diet and let's chat about the restrictive elements and kind of how to navigate them because I'm still navigating them. Like my diagnosis is pretty recent and I am the person at a restaurant right now that like I never thought I would be that's like, is there gluten in there? Is there dairy in there? Is there soy in there? And anyways, we'll jump in. So you mentioned protein. Do you want to start there? Yeah. So definitely animal protein is so important for your thyroid. And I was a vegetarian. I started in the fourth grade and I was a vegetarian until a junior in college. Are we literally the same person? Like (laughs) I I literally became a vegetarian in fourth grade as well and did it all the way till my mid twenties. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I kind of dabbled in and out of it for a long time. Um, I just decided one day driving home from visiting family that I just didn't want to eat meat anymore. And my parents were like, okay. And I don't think they thought I was serious. And I was like, yeah, it was just like an out of the blue. It wasn't like any, nothing happened. I was just like, I'm not eating any meat anymore. I just don't want to do it. And I think and what I know now is like going through puberty and when your hormones are turning on and all those things are happening, not having enough animal protein is definitely not the best thing for your body. You know, what's interesting. I was in fourth grade too. I heard Carrie Underwood was a vegetarian. So I wanted to be a vegetarian and I became a vegetarian. And when I started eating meat in college again, I grew two and a half inches and my doctor could not believe it. Cause they were like, we've never had someone. Cause I started my period in fifth grade. 
So like I, I still grew two and a half inches in college when I started eating meat again. And when, oh when I got God. treatment for my eating disorder. Yeah. Wow. That's, I have not grown since the sixth grade. So I'm very impressed. <laughs> my doctor was like, it is an anomaly. I don't even understand like how you grew. I went from being five foot and now I'm five, 2.25. Like I just got measured the other day. Wow. I'm still well, I'm like two and three, four. So we're like, very <laughs> we're literally the same. <laughs> You gotta take you gotta take what you can <laughs> but yes protein is huge like protein yes. is like 30 grams of protein at breakfast i'm actually just made a really good chia seed high protein chia seed um pudding video that i'm gonna post about like ways to get protein at breakfast because you need a lot of protein and you will just feel so much better and i went from like not eating a lot of animal pro even when i was eating more animal protein i was still kind of more plant-based, I guess. And then probably around like 2016, I started eating like so much more like meat. And now I'm like obsessed with bison. I love bison. I had it's bison like, for dinner last night. I'm like, make my husband, he, he makes like amazing, like bison meatballs. And I'm like, he's like, what do you want for the week? I'm like bison meatballs. I like, well, that's what I'm eating for breakfast. Like I went from like not eating any of this to like, that's what I'm eating for breakfast. And I think a big part of why I feel so much better is because I integrated um, the animal-based protein back into my diet. Um, I think it's a huge thing. And I'll say like quality over quantity, like that's something I always talk about. Like it needs to be high quality, like coming from good sources, which I know can be really expensive and really annoying. Um, we do butcher box now, which like is pretty good. But yeah, I never, I eat those chomps meat sticks. I never thought I would be a girly that ate a meat stick and I love them. I love, have you tried the Vermont ones? Not yet. I saw them there at my grocery store. So I'm going to get them on my mind. A thousand times better than the chomps. Like I, they're so good. I love them. But same, like I, I was like a hummus and carrot girl, which I still love hummus and carrots, but like those are my snacks. And now I'm like, got the meat sticks out. And my husband just thinks it's hilarious because he's like, he's like so excited because now there's more options. And when we go out to eat, like, well, like he actually wants to split. We'll get like two meals and like split before he's like, yeah, no, I'm not. I don't have any interest in what you're eating. <laughs> so definitely protein, like number one, yes. what are your thoughts? Cause everyone has different opinions on the glute gluten, soy, and dairy, and thyroid health. So do you want to break it down those and we can kind of get into that? Because I think that's, that's, I think, one of the trickier parts of this. I, out of everything that I personally have tried and clients have of mine have gluten number one. Gluten just causes so much inflammation. It kind of just acts like glue in your digestive tract, which slows down your digestion, all of the things. And I too sometimes want to eat something like I love pizza and gluten-free pizza. The only place it's I have not as good. Italy. Have you been to Italy? No. Okay. So Italy, they're not everywhere, but like they have amazing gluten-free pizza that actually tastes like pizza. Um, everything else is just not as good. And I like, I really love pizza. I've lived in New York for like 10 years. Like I've, I love a good slice of pizza. So every once in a while, like I'll get the gluten-free and I'll like have a bite of like my husband's pizza. But next day I noticed right away, like 
my digestion is just so much slower and like just that bloat. So for me, I feel like I'm at the point of like, my thyroid is in a pretty good place. So if I have a little bit of gluten, like once in a while, it doesn't cause that as an intense of a flare up as it used to. When I first kind of cut out gluten and I would like add it back in randomly or by accident, like I could automatically feel it and I would be really tired and fatigued and all of that. And I think like, because I've kind of like been doing this for so long, I don't know if my body just can handle it better or it's just, I don't I know. I think that's a thing better. for sure. Cause like I'm so, so it's, I think it's cool to have these two perspectives cause I'm really new. I'm like three months into my diagnosis. I did so good cutting out gluten, soy and dairy for the first, like almost three months. And then I was just telling Katie before we logged on, I had gluten on Friday and you know, what's interesting is and my gluten sensitivity through my stool test. Like I also think tests don't guess too. Like mine was off the charts high. I literally had it. And within hours, my stomach was in like those really painful, almost like um food poisoning type cramps. I mm. literally had like diarrhea. Like I was so sick, so tired. But then now that lasted two days. And now I'm in the fatigue side of it where I'm just really tired. Cause I mean, I had a lot of it. Like I went for it. I was like, I'm not going to care tonight. <laughs> and, you know, I've struggled a little bit with how do I balance not eating gluten and then not being restrictive. So you're a little bit more into this. Do you have any advice there? It, it's definitely something mentally to, to kind of think about, right? Because we want to be really mindful about like how we approach food and why we're not eating something, why we're eating something. And for me with the gluten, I just come back to like how it just, it doesn't fit my body right now. Like it just doesn't support my body. It's not that like I can never eat it ever again. It's just right now it's not supporting me. And I think that has helped me where I'm like, I'm not like, I'm never going to eat gluten ever again because I have, and I will. It's just, I know that when I do eat it, it just doesn't support me. And I just don't feel good. And that's kind of like how I'm thinking about it right now versus like, I'm never going to eat this again. Um, same with like anything in life, like sugar or dairy, like other things that like, I know if I eat too much of it, I just don't feel great. So I don't, nothing's like completely like, I'm never, ever going to eat this again, but I know that I'm going to just eat less and less and less of it just because it doesn't really support me. So that's helped me. So it's not like, oh, you can never eat this again. It's more like if you eat it, you know, what's going to happen is it, is, is tonight worth it? And sometimes it is like, we just have to be real, right? Like sometimes, sometimes it is, it really is. Sometimes it's like that it is worth it. And you know, I will say mine was not worth it. And now I know. (laughs) And like, that was my first experiment. And it's interesting because I ate gluten all the time before. And I think I base level was just feeling so bad. I didn't realize it. So then like when I added it back in, I was like, whoa. Um, Yeah. And I've also been trying to find, like, recreate my favorite things that are gluten-free. And honestly, it's so much easier even now to be gluten-free than it was in 2016, like when you first oh, started. It was so hard. I mean, I have to say gluten-free bread has still not, there's just really no good gluten-free bread. Like, so I miss sandwiches. <laughs> I miss like a good, like I eat sandwiches, but I miss like a good sandwich. Like a good sourdough, like delicious, yeah, yummy. Like, um, Mendocino yeah. Farms, which 
is mostly in California. Uh, I don't know if they're anywhere else, but they actually have like a really good, like gluten-free bread, which is amazing if you get out there. Um, so I just moved recently. I don't know if I'm going to find good gluten-free bread out here. Um, I've heard the Canyon is a Canyon, um, the brand, I can't remember the, there's two names to it, but there's a Canyon brand that's supposed to be good. Um, even sourdough for me, like I have to be really mindful about that. It still doesn't for my body. Some people are okay with it, but like for my body, my body is in no. Yeah. No. If you're in Austin, Proud Mary, the like brunch and coffee shop has a really good, I don't know what brand it is, but their gluten-free bread is the only thing I found. Like it's like eggs and toast and it's like so good. But it is much easier to do gluten-free. Even when you go out to eat, like a lot of places will have gluten-free menus or I always tell people because I don't want to like make them scared, but I'm like, oh, gluten-free. And I'm like, but I'm not going to die. Like I don't, I don't have celiac. I'm like, I just, I have a really big intolerance to it. Um, and that kind of like, I feel like that like helps the mood a little bit. Cause sometimes when you go to a restaurant and you say you're gluten-free, like the waiter just gets really nervous about it. <laughs> I have a deadly shellfish allergy. So like sometimes we'll go get sushi, which always feels like a gamble to me. And like, I feel so bad for my waiter. Cause I'm like, I actually might die. So please be careful. <laughs> Well, in that case, you definitely need to sell them. But I'm always like, oh, and I lived in L.A. too. I lived in New York and then I lived in L.A. Now I live in North Carolina. And I feel like after you live in New York and L.A., you can basically tell the wait- waiter, waitress, anything like they're, they're not surprised by like what you can and can't eat. Um, and I tell my clients, too, I'm like, it's OK to let somebody know that you can't eat something. Like, yeah, because you don't want to feel bad. Like it's you don't want to feel bad, it. and like ultimately at the end of the day, like they want you to have a good experience at the restaurant. So they don't want to give you something where you're not going to feel good after, and like then you have a negative experience, right? So it's good for everybody involved. And I'm like, always speak your truth. Like always ask for what you need, and don't feel like you can't. Um, if, if it feels a little weird, like start practicing at home, being like, oh please, I can't have any gluten with this, you know, but I think because more and more people are having the gluten issues that it's, it's just more common yeah. than when it first went in 2016, like people are like, what do you mean you don't eat gluten? I'm like, yeah, I don't, you don't eat gluten. They're like, oh, that's really sad. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. We know we're aware. We're aware that it yeah. sucks. Um, but at this point, I'm so used to it that like, I kind of don't really miss it anymore. I don't miss it. I only, and like I was telling you, I only ate it because it was like more of like a gesture of love with some, something was like made for me. And I was like, oh, I feel the love in this. Um, but next, how do you feel about soy? So soy definitely causes me to be inflamed. Same. Soy was what was causing my, um, joints. Yeah. So, so I actually cut out all, um, extra salt. I'm like a salt. I love, I love salt. salt. Like I put it on, I, w- I used to put on everything. I, before I even like ate my dinner, I'd put like salt on it and I had to cut that all out. And I like instant, like the, the next day I could feel my thing. Like, I was like, Oh my God, like I don't have chubby fingers. <laughs> it was crazy with soy for me. And like, I would, within hours, I would feel like I like couldn't like bend my hands. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. So I, I have to stay away from soy too. Um, not everybody that yeah, I not know everybody does. 
not everybody has that reaction, but I definitely do. Um, and then what was the other one? Dairy? Dairy. Dairy for me was more digestive than, and they're obviously everything's connected, right? So, but I definitely was more having digestive issues with the dairy that I'm sure were affecting my everything with my gut and my thyroid and, and the Hashimoto's, but I don't feel, I just have loose bowels versus like the inflammation. I don't feel Dairy doesn't cause me the inflammation either. It's more of like my person I dietitian I was working with was like, look, gluten is a non-negotiable because of your lab results. Like, and I think most people with Hashimoto's gluten is a non-negotiable for at least your immediate future while you're figuring it out. She's like, soy is a close second. And since you have joint pain, we've got to cut it out. And she was yeah. like, dairy is one that if you have it here and there, great, it's fine. But she was like, until you heal from like having glute, like getting gluten out, your digestive system is still going to struggle with dairy. So she was like, it's more of like at your own risk. Yeah. And I, when I first was diagnosed, like I cut out all the gluten, I cut out all the dairy, I cut out all the soy. Um, and then I slowly started adding back dairy in randomly. I just don't eat it the way I used to. I love cheese. Like I just don't cheese. And I love yogurt. Okay. (laughs) But it's one of those things that I was able to like add back in, but not every day. And like, if I do eat it more often, I definitely notice more like, like just flare ups with the digestion, which I know is just not good for my thyroid and Hashimoto's. I know it's so interesting too, just like how you have to tune in and like figure out what your triggers are versus like not everyone's are the same. Like we said, gluten's a pretty universal one, but not everybody. Soy's pretty universal, but dairy's definitely not. Dairy's definitely highly debated. You know, there's a lot of other things like ginger triggers me, which is a random weird thing that is supposed to be so good for you, but I can't. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sad. Maybe, but, but that I think thing, will get like, better. Really understanding your body, you know, and like figuring it out and then bringing it back to your doctor and being like, okay, so this is what I've discovered. Like I always tell my clients, like we're, the, the, we're not going to count calories or macros or micros. Like, I just want you to like write down what you're eating and how you're feeling so that you can let me know. And then you can also let your doctor know like, Hey, this is what I've been working on. Like, I haven't noticed any difference or, Oh my God, like the sodium, the dairy, the gluten, like all of that, like, can we, let's do a GI map. Like, let's kind of figure out like why this is happening. And I think that's such an important point too, is like, that's for me. Like there is the only thing I count right now is protein just to make sure I get enough. Like there's no calorie counting. There is no carb counting. Like that would be way too much for me. Like I would be so triggered by that. So I think that that's another way that it's helped is like, I'm just focusing on getting enough protein and avoiding my trigger foods. That's what I pretty much do too. Like I'm always like protein, protein, because it's really, especially when we were like driving cross country, I was like, okay, where am I going to get my next protein? (laughs) Yes. Like, how am I going to get this? How am I going to get enough protein today traveling and doing all these things? Uh, But yeah, like that's one thing I definitely focus on is the protein. Um, And I feel better too. Yeah. I feel so much better eating enough protein. Like I hired my own dietitian to tell me to eat enough protein and drink more water, basically. (laughs) So we all need somebody to check in on us and take a closer look, right? 
it's hard, especially when you do it day to day, it's hard to like see outside of yourself. (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. Wrapping up this is, and like, this has been a great episode to just like vent and tell you guys all of our personal stories. Like feel free to like message us. We can talk about yours. Like hope this is helpful. Like to everyone. I'm just like, these are things that I just feel like I didn't connect the dots on until I did. And then I was like, aha, that's what's wrong. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't I connect the dots? Like, Oh, brain fog. That's probably why. (laughs) This is probably why. And like hindsight's 2020. Sometimes like, I I think especially as like women, like we can be so hard on ourselves. Like I'm not doing enough. I'm just like, I just kept telling myself, I'm just need to push through. I just need to push through. I just need to push through. No, I needed to slow down and figure out what was wrong. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling any of these symptoms or you're struggling with any of these things, like it's okay. Like you're not alone. Your feeling is valid. Like, please do not tell yourself that it's not like I did for so long. Like if I could have figured this out three years ago, like, I mean, it'd be a different story. I probably wouldn't be talking about it, but I would have felt a lot better for three years. Uh, And I think too, a lot of it is like making sure you find the right doctor as well. You know, I was working with a doctor wasn't going well for me. Like going and finding, finding a naturopath, like working with somebody else that did more testing, did more digging, uh, can also be like really helpful, you know? So if, if you're not getting heard, like go find a new doctor is what I always tell my clients. And like, just, it's okay to like, go find a new doctor anytime that you think that you're not getting the support you need. Yes. 10 out of 10. Okay. Any final words of advice? Where can everybody find you? Um, you've got lots of great content that you talk about. Yeah. You can find me at Katie Bresak. Um, Instagram is where I'm kind of hang out the most. I have a blog, my website. It's all, it's all there. Yeah. Yay, and well, come say hi. I would love to meet you all. Yeah. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks for being so vulnerable and openly sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me.